Good morning, Parkway Church. How you guys doing today? Good. So glad you're here with us today. My name is Mike. I'm the senior pastor here. And it's my privilege today, as it is every week, to open the Bible with you as we continue our journey through Scripture. Our plan this year is simple. We're opening our Bibles to see what God is teaching us. And we're in the midst of a series right now entitled, The God I Wish You Knew, where we're walking through a section of Scripture known as the Major Prophets. And the prophets had a unique role in the community of God. They would both speak truth directly to the people of their day, and then they could also look ahead and predict the future because God had given them a picture and a message for the people, both that day and even for our day, and even for a day that's yet to come. And so we began with a look at the book of Isaiah and said that God is holy. And then last week, we looked at the book of Jeremiah, and Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. He was 17 years old when God called him and told him to start warning the people of God that God's discipline would soon be known, and that the Babylonians would overtake them, but in the end, God would always be faithful, God would always deliver. And today, we shift. We learn first that God is holy, then last week, God is judge. Today, we turn to the second book written by Jeremiah. You're like, Mike. One book wasn't enough for this guy? Nope, he wrote two. In fact, the book that we're gonna study about today is the first time I've ever taught through this book, ever. Student Pastor Mike never opened his Bible and said, hey, let's turn to the book of Lamentations. By the way, there are a few things you don't wanna hear. Like when you go to the dermatologist, you don't wanna hear some, the dermatologist go, huh, never seen that before. You don't wanna go get your hair cut. And the barber say, so, you thinning a little bit right here? You don't want to hear that. You don't want to hear your preacher say, please turn with me to the book of Lamentations. <laughs> but as you do turn to the book of Lamentations, let me tell you why we're jumping in to this message from this prophet today. We're jumping into this message from this prophet today because Jeremiah's message through the book of Lamentations and Lamentations means he's gonna be crying out to God. He's gonna lament some things that he is seeing in the world around him. He's gonna lament the brokenness of his people, the discipline that's coming. He's gonna lament some things. And I, I lament the fact that this is the first time I've preached through Lamentations. I also lament the fact that only one of you laughed at that joke. But as we study the book of Lamentations, we're gonna see Jeremiah provide hope in the middle of great loss. As we left the people of God last week in the book of Jeremiah, they were gonna be overtaken by the Babylonians. The brightest and the best would be taken and the land would be given over to their enemy. They were gonna lose it all. And yet God said, buy this piece of land, Jeremiah. Invest here because I'm not done with you. And now we turn to Lamentations and Lamentations is known as a funeral dirge, which is a funeral song. And in the midst of this funeral dirge, in the midst of this lamenting the future of God's people, Jeremiah is gonna give us some great hope. One of the things that I get to do as a pastor is stand with people on their best day and sit with people on their worst day. And time and time again, after I'm done with a funeral, people will say, how in the world can you do that? Well, just a couple of things. First of all, the people that experience the loss, those are the real strong ones. The parents, the friends, those are the strong ones. But as a pastor, 
How is it that I can step in like Jeremiah does for the people of God in Lamentations and provide hope? It's because all is never lost with God. And it's because the God I wish you knew, this God is compassionate. And that's the message of the book of Lamentations, that our God has great compassion for people. And when we understand that our God is compassionate, we understand that when we're broken, you can fill in that blank. When we're broken, God comforts. You see, the compassion of God says, I'm not distant from your hurt. I'm not distant from your pain. I'm not distant from your loss. I'm not distant from you. I am with you. And when you are broken, I am comforting you. Compassion is both feeling and taking action. Compassion is both noticing and doing something about a need. And our God is compassionate. If you brought your Bible, we're gonna read about it in Lamentations chapter three. Here's what the Bible says. Lamentations three, verses one through three. I am the man who's seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. Jeremiah starts by saying, I'm a man who's seen the discipline of God. Last week as I preached on God is judge and that he disciplines us fairly and justly and graciously and for our own good. Somebody asked an amazing question. When we say God disciplines, what does that mean? Well, God teaches, that's a form of his discipline. God trains us, that's a form of his discipline. God rebukes us and stops us from doing some things, that's a form of his discipline. Will God take some things from me to teach me a lesson? Perhaps. Will God want me to look to him in every circumstance where life is difficult and ask the question, God, what's the lesson I need to learn? Absolutely, every time. And the one who learns from the discipline of God and learns quickly, we learned last week, experiences peace and righteousness. Jeremiah says, here's how God has disciplined me. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness, verse two, rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. Now I get what Jeremiah felt there. He felt like the hand of God was against him as he was experiencing his affliction, his difficulty, his discipline. But I want you to know this. As we see the totality of scripture, it may feel like the hand of God is against us, but God's hand is always for us as believers in Jesus Christ. It may feel like God's hand is working against us instead of with us, but God is always for us in Jesus Christ. Keep reading from Jeremiah, Lamentations 3, 19. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and gall. That's the condition of his life, the condition of his heart, what he's feeling, what he's experiencing. I remember them and my soul is downcast within me. People talk about depression and anxiety being a new phenomenon for this generation. But we see here in the book of Lamentations that Jeremiah, the prophet of God, my soul is downcast within me. We see that even King David had to preach to himself to strengthen his soul. Friends, when we are hurting and we forget that God is the comforter, the one that when we are broken, he heals, then we could be downcast, we could be downtrodden, we can experience that depression and anxiety that grips too many of us, including me. 
But what does Jeremiah do? Lamentations 3.21. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Jeremiah is going to remind us that even in our darkest moment, we have a choice on what we're going to focus on. I can focus on the bitterness and gall in my life. I can focus on the fact that I feel like I'm running in the dark and that God's hand is against me. Or I can choose to see the God of compassion, who when I am broken, he comforts. And I believe that this is your disciple decision today. As we look at building relationships that build disciples and you continuing to follow Jesus with all of your life, what are you focusing on? Are you allowing your mind and your heart to choose your perspective on life because you know who God is? Or are you simply allowing the day to determine what you feel and how you think? See, the disciples' decision says, I'm going to focus on who God is. He's compassionate. When I'm broken, he comforts. I'm going to focus on who God is. I'm going to choose the right focus instead of the wrong focus. I'm not going to focus on my weakness alone. I'm going to focus on his strength. Because that's the God I wish you knew. And when Jeremiah changed his focus, it altered his perspective. When he stopped simply looking at himself and his circumstances and said, yet I call this to mind. I think about this. I focus on this. I call this to mind. Here's what he calls to mind. Verse 22 and 23, Lamentations 3. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. What he says is, when I feel downcast, when I feel like the Lord is away from me, when I feel like the Lord is moving against me, I remember that we have not been consumed. I remember his compassion and that his compassion never fails. And like the sunrise, God can be counted on. Did you see the picture he drew? God, your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Do you know that God's compassion is as trustworthy as the sunrise? God's compassion is the light that's breaking through the darkness. God's compassion is the light that gives us a new day, the dawning of a new day and new hope. And God's compassion like the sunrise, was available yesterday, is available today, and will be available tomorrow to those who are in need. And I love that Jeremiah, in the midst of these lamentations that he's casting out before God, reminds us that as long as the sun is shining, God can be trusted. As long as the sun rises, God is on his throne and he can be believed, not partially, but completely. Even when times are the darkest, we can look forward to a new day with God. Friends, in the dark, when we see the light of Jesus, we have hope. And I want you to know that the God of compassion 
When you are broken, he comforts you. Not just some of the time, all the time. Not just maybe if you do the right things, but because he is the right God, he comforts those who are broken. He is compassionate. I like to think of God's compassion kind of like bacon. They're both really good. Once you've had bacon, you'll never be the same. And you can never, ever have enough bacon. That's what God's compassion is like. You ever have enough of God's compassion? No, I'll take more. You ever push away God's compassion? No, I'll take some more. Can you ever be the same after you've been touched by God's compassion? No, he changes us. God's compassion is a good thing. Listen to how the compassion of God plays out in Jeremiah's life. Lamentations 3, 24 through 26. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those who hope in him, to the one who seeks him, finds him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Now, in context, the people of God are about to be overtaken by the enemies of God. And Jeremiah here says, it is good to wait on the Lord because the Lord is my portion. See, there's the bacon. The Lord is my pork. He is my portion. I shall not want. Please do not edit that down and post that anywhere online. That is bad humor and bad theology all at the same time. The Lord is my portion. The Lord is good. He's good to those who hope in him, to the ones who seek him. It is good to wait quietly on the Lord. If we know that God is compassionate, if we know that God comforts those who are broken, when we are broken, what's our job? We're to wait on him and seek him. We're to look to him as the portion of our lives, the one who will provide that which we need. Because our God is with us. He can be trusted. Lamentations 3, 37 through 39. Why is it good to wait on God? Who can speak and have it happen if the Lord has not decreed it? Jeremiah is going to remind us that we wait on God because God is the one who's in charge. And we wait on God because he's the one that it, it not, doesn't matter what anybody else says or does. If God doesn't say it's going to be so, it's never going to be so. So we wait on God. Verse 38. Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both calamities and good things come? Why should the living complain when they're punished for their sins? Jeremiah says it's good to wait on God because he will discipline you so that you learn from your failings. And he will come alongside with his compassion. He will comfort you and rebuild you where you're broken. One more question and we'll be done. What should we do while we wait on God? Keep reading. Lamentations 3, 40 through 42. Let us examine our ways and test them. And let us return to the Lord. Let us lift our hearts and our hands to the God in heaven and say, we have sinned and rebelled against you. 
and you have not forgiven. You see, this is the lamentation of Jeremiah. The reality that the people of God had turned away from God. And they were experiencing his discipline, his judgment as a nation. He says, what should we do as we experience this? What should we do as we wait on God? First, you examine your ways. How have I been living? Sometimes the discipline of God in my life is simply God letting me feel the circumstances of my bad decisions. You realize that that God is right to judge every wrong thing we do, but God doesn't make you feel the consequence of every sin that you commit. He doesn't. Do you get pulled over every time you speed? Do you gain three pounds every time you eat a gallon of Bluebell? Does it happen every time? Does God make us accountable or make us feel the consequence of every sin we commit every day? No, but some of them he does. And in those areas, I'm saying, God, I'm gonna examine my ways and I'm gonna test them. I'm gonna see if there's something that I am doing that's bringing your discipline on me. Now, there are some things in life where I know it's not God's discipline. When my baby girl was struggling with some health issues earlier this year, I never asked the question, God, are you trying to discipline me? Because God would never discipline my daughter for the sins of the father. Would never happen. Would never, ever happen. Now, could God teach me some things as I was learning to trust him with my baby girl? Sure. Could God teach me some things as I was trusting him as we were walking through questions that never got answered? Sure. So I'm going to examine, what am I doing? And I'm going to test, where am I responsible? And then I'm going to return to the Lord. Tonight, we are having a worship night as a church. All of our campuses are going to come together at about 630 this evening. And we're going to worship God together. And I'm going to preach a message on personal revival and on returning to the Lord. Because that is a key thing that we do as believers. It is one of the things that God calls us to do over and over again as followers of Jesus Christ. If you have believed in him for life, he's calling you to walk with him in all of your life. Which means there are times, days, seasons, moments, when you must intentionally return to the Lord and say, God, I'm going to follow you with great passion. God, I'm going to follow you with great obedience and dependence. God, I'm returning to you. And when we do this, you can count on God. When we return to God, here's what God does. Fill in this blank. God will come near to comfort you. The book of Lamentations, the totality of the Old Testament and New Testament say, when we come near to God, he comes near to us. Listen, Lamentations 3, 55 through 57. I called on your name, Lord, from the depths of the pit. You heard my plea. Do not close your ears to my cry for relief. You came near when I called to you and you said, do not fear. See, that's the God of compassion, that when you're broken, he comforts. Jeremiah called out to him in a literal pit. 
and God didn't close his ear, God didn't turn his attention, God heard him, and God came near, and he said, do not fear. James 4.8 says, come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. James says, examine and test and return because when you do, God will come near to you. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. When we wait on God, when we examine our ways, when we test our lives and when we return to him, he comes near. And then he will do, you can fill in this blank, then he will do what only God can do. You see, that's where the true comfort of God is found. In knowing that God will do what only he can do. He's the only one that can look at a weeping prophet in a pit and say, do not fear. He's the only one that can look at a dad who had more questions than answers and say, trust me, pastor. He's the only one that can walk into your situations personally and tell you I am here and I am working and I can be trusted. Lamentations 3.58. You, Lord, took up my case. You redeemed my life. That word redeemed means that God delivered means that God rescued, means that God saved. There is no one else that can redeem your life than God himself. And he can be counted on to redeem even the most broken, painful, lost places of your life because our God is a God of compassion. He's a God that when we're broken, he comforts us. See, that's the God I wish you knew. The God who is holy. The God who is judge. And that because he is holy and because he's judge, his compassion pours out on us. And his compassion, his goodness, his mercy can be counted on like the sun. So the next time you see that sunrise... You need to count your blessings that God is good and his faithfulness is dependent upon. For you millennials, every time you see the sun set, because they've never seen the sunrise, (laughs) anytime you see the sun set, know that tomorrow the light is coming. Every time you see that plate of bacon, even if it's turkey bacon, you know that God is good and his compassion is real. He can be counted on. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the chance to open your word today, to learn and to grow together. Lord, help us to be people who count on your compassion, who wait on you, who seek you, who are found by you. Help us to be those people. And Lord, may we know
by the power of your grace that you are working in us. May we know that because of our relationship with Jesus, you are never done with us. Church family, in just a moment, I'm gonna ask those that would say, hey, I need the prayer of my church family right now. The one who needs compassion today, the one who needs to be comforted despite their brokenness is me. So in just a moment, I'm gonna ask you if that's you just to take a stand. And the people around you will stand around you and they will say a prayer for you. They don't need to know what's happening in your life because God heard it. They don't have to know what's happening in your life because God hasn't turned his head or his ear. So in just a moment, if you would like the church to pray for you, you can stand. Before we do that though, if you've never believed in Jesus for life, there's nothing but lamenting, there's nothing but loss. But God gave us his son so that we would have life and so that the darkness would never overtake us, that we would know the light of the world, Jesus Christ. And so if today's your day to believe, Jesus died in your place. They buried him and he was raised again from the dead to defeat death and to defeat sin and to offer you life. If you've never believed that simple message, I invite you to believe today. The Bible says that Jesus is both our Savior and our Lord. And he invites us to believe in him and find life. If today's your day, let's mark it with a prayer you can pray. Jesus, I believe. I believe that I'm a sinner who needs a Savior and that you are the Savior of the world. Thank you for coming for me, for dying in my place and being raised again from the dead. Today, I believe. Thank you for giving me life.